Welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee-free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. All right, what's up, everybody? This is SGX coach Mike Diebler, and welcome to episode... 33 of the OCR Underground Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. As usual, we have an awesome episode for you. I just want to mention the show notes that you can find. The links mentioned in this show are going to be held at www.ocrunderground.com slash episode dash 33. Well, I got my race fix. I just got back from Ohio where my wife and I did the sprint and the beast. Uh, it was an awesome back-to-back weekend. I'm actually going to do the race recap for that weekend, and we actually are going to have another race recap, but I'll, I'll get into everything, but I, I wanted to open this show by, you know, when I run these races, I'm always, I, I'm, I'm a student, right? I'm always trying to learn as much as I can, so one, I can get better, and then two, I have uh, some things I can talk to you guys about to help you improve, right? That's that's why I'm doing this show is I'm trying to find the best strategies I can find to help you guys prepare better and have more confidence going into your different races. And um, so, yeah, I'm a little weird. I'm going to be doing these races. And one, I'm, I am thinking about the race and making sure I perform well. But I also want to look at just observe other people. What are they doing that seems to be working well? What are they struggling with? Um, so yeah, if you ever see me in a race and I happen to be behind you, I'm probably watching you. And yeah, that might sound a little bit creepy, but I'm doing it just to see um, what's going on. And yeah, I might notice things that are uh, just a little bit off or maybe things that you're doing really well. And I might steal it from you to help help myself and, and to mention on the show and, and in my blogs to say, hey, this is a pretty cool technique I saw to get better at, at different tasks. But um I'm sure I'm going to release a couple blog posts on topics like running is is a big one. And I see so many common mistakes with with running that are guaranteed to lead lead to things like knee issues down the road. So um, I have some video that I want to post and and some uh, and a blog post. I think it'll be easier to explain some of that thing versus a podcast. Um, But there there are some things I wanted to talk about that I definitely thought of while I was doing this race and. I don't know about you, but sometimes when you think about these obstacles that you're going to face, you get a little intimidated and nervous and, you know, just not sure if you're going to be able to make it through or not. And maybe you've just never done a race before and it's just the unknown and it's a little intimidating and you're not sure what you're going to see. Or maybe it's something you've done it before and you've failed before and now you can't think about anything else. And this is something that I see myself struggling with where uh, I have two obstacles that I get nervous about and I've gotten through both of them, and I actually have gotten through both of them more times than I've failed, but still, every race I get to, these are the two that I'm thinking of, and that is the spear throw, which I will admit, I was uh, one for two this weekend, so I missed it in the beast, um, but did luckily hit it in the sprint, and the other is the Z-Wall, and I, these are actually the only two obstacles that I have failed uh, doing Spartan races. And so it's, I always have that in the back of my mind that these two uh, I tend to struggle with. And I notice that until I get through those obstacles, they're always on my mind. And it affects other parts of my racing where if I maybe see it coming up, I dramatically slow down and I get nervous and, and I'm, you know, thinking about missing or falling and not thinking about 
just getting through that obstacle and doing what I do and, and making sure I think about all the times I am successful. Um, so that's something that I constantly struggle with. And I just wanted to share a quick story from this past weekend. So we did the beast and I, I, like I said, I'm going to give the race recap, but one, one thing I'm going to talk about is how muddy it was and it was just wet. And, you know, a lot of the obstacles were really tricky because you had mud all over your sneakers and your hands were wet and the grip wasn't great. And I knew this when I saw the Z wall, cause you run by it, um, earlier in the race. So I knew it was coming up and we were just running through the mud in the woods and water and I was doing my best to get everything dried off get to the obstacle and I'm happy to say I did make it through I slipped a bunch of times it was really close but I was able to hold on with my hands and ring that bell so I was super excited but when we came back the next day I had that on the on my mind the whole time so we're looping through the same exact part of the course for the sprint and I'm doing my best to not you know try not to get too muddy but it's literally impossible with with these trails and that's all I'm thinking about is is that seawall and it's and I noticed that I was walking a little bit more than I should have probably and slowing down and and just getting nervous and uneasy and it was really affecting my race and the funny thing was as we get out of the woods where the seawall was it wasn't there they actually had taken it down and it wasn't part of the sprint race so I was spending all of this time worrying about something that never was going to even happen. Um, so I just like to bring that up because maybe you can relate. Maybe I'm just crazy and uh, I'm the only one that goes through this. But sometimes we focus too much on things that we shouldn't be thinking about. And, you know, whether it's racing or everyday life, one thing I really try and do is not to worry about something unless it's actually happened. So many times that we we worry about something that may happen and it ends up never happening and we spent all of this time stressing about it and it was something that we never had to worry about and you know whether that helps you in real life or in your race I just wanted to bring that up because it's something that I'm really working hard towards where I'm just going to focus on what's in front of me whether that's running whether that's getting through the obstacle that I'm on or whatever it might be Um, so hopefully that helps you out at all like I said I'm going to get into the Ohio Beast and Sprint recap later in the show Um, but as usual, we have an awesome episode for you today. So in this week's show, as I mentioned, I will be giving the Ohio Beast and Sprint Spartan Race recap. And instead of doing a research review this week, I'm actually going to do a cool training strategy to help you prepare better for the memory test. I know it's not something that we normally talk about, but if you've ever failed that obstacle, I'm sure it's incredibly frustrating. So I'm going to give you an ancient memory technique to help you nail that obstacle the next time you see it. And then we're actually gonna go into another Spartan Race recap. I have SGX coach uh, Mike Confer from MROC Training. He's back on, he was on just a couple weeks ago, uh, but we brought him back on. He's gonna give a race recap for the uh, City Field Stadium race that just uh, occurred a couple weeks ago. He's gonna talk, walk us through uh, how the course was. He's gonna talk a little bit about uh, spending the day in New York City. And we are gonna really dive deep into stadium training. So if you want to try a stadium race or maybe you just want to get better at some of your your stadium races this year he talks about a complete training program to really get you ready uh, for that type of race and talks about all the differences between a a typical spartan race and that stadium race so we really have a jam-packed show today so let's jump right into it (laughs) 
All right, this week I have a Spartan Race recap for the Ohio Beast and Sprint. Uh, my wife and I had the pleasure of heading out there, making the trip across the country for an awesome race, and uh, a couple highlights. So the Beast on Saturday, luckily we were checking the weather all week, and it looked like it was going to just be thunderstorms and raining all weekend, but it actually turned out to be a pretty good day. It was overcast, but it was stayed cool, and I actually thought it was, it was pretty good weather. It was definitely still wet and muddy, though. I have to say, in my experience, this was probably the muddiest course that I've ever run, um, but it was filled with everything you'd expect in a Spartan race. It started out kind of with their standard, a couple walls, uh, the gut check, uh, over, unders, through, uh, and then it seemed like an incredibly long trail run. So we were in the woods running for, I don't know the exact distance that we were out there, but it was a pretty far run through the woods. Um, definitely pretty, uh, a, a nice scenic view. Uh, being from the West Coast, we don't get a ton of green when we're doing some of these trail runs. Um, so it was nice to be kind of in the woods and experience that through the run. Um, then as we got to some of the obstacles, again, they had your, your standards there. They had a couple pretty challenging combos. Uh, once you kind of got back to the festival area, they hit you right with the rope climb, which went right into the hoist, and then right into the sandbag carry. So kind of a couple uh, tough grip ones uh, if you weren't ready for it. But I do have to say, I wasn't disappointed, but the sandbag carry was actually really short. It was one of the shortest sandbag carries I've ever done. And then later with the bucket carry, kind of the same thing. It was a really short bucket carry, a pretty steep hill, but uh, for the most part, it was, it was short. So I was, again, not, not disappointed by that. You know, those aren't two of my favorite obstacles. So I was kind of excited to see shorter ones there. Um, but it was muddy and slippery, so it did make it a little bit more challenging for that. Uh, overall, it was a pretty flat course. There was a couple hills in there, but really not, not too bad on the, on the hill side of things. Um, I was surprised they did lack a couple obstacles that we typically see. There weren't many carries at all. Uh, there was the uh, bucket brigade and the sandbag carry, but no other farmer's walks. Um, there was the atlas carry as well, um, but uh, I thought there'd be other carries uh, considering it was the beast uh, for this one. And then um, I was also surprised there was no monkey bars. That's normally a staple in there, but we didn't see any monkey bars. Again, maybe not a bad thing because it was so wet some of these hanging obstacles were incredibly difficult. So we saw lots of people failing the Twista and, uh, and the rig at, at towards the end of the, of the race. So it was um, interesting, though, not to see the monkey bars in there. But I, I do have to say for the Beast and, and then the Sprint as well, it was definitely uh, just a, one of the muddiest courses and really tough getting through the woods. I mean, it felt like pretty much going down a mudslide into a, a pool of just muddy water and then climbing out and then just trying to make your way through all the trees as you're getting through the forest. So I think the total distance for the beast was around 12 and a half miles. Um, overall, I thought it was a, a great course. It had a, a couple tough, like I mentioned, the, the rope climb to the hoist to the sandbag carry. Later on, we had to do a combo of uh, spear throw to Atlas carry to the twister, which uh, again, that was a tough little challenge there, especially with it being so slippery. And then what seems to be the trend this year is a, just a brutal finish. And this one was the A-frame right to the rig, right to Olympus. So lots of people failing at least one, but uh, many I saw failing multiple uh, going through there. Uh, but again, overall, a, a great race. Uh, Sunday was uh, very similar. Um, 
this the weather wasn't quite as good for Sunday. It started okay. The sun was trying to shine a little bit, but the rain started to come out uh, towards the later morning. And uh, this, again, a pretty similar start. Uh, again, pretty flat, but very, very muddy still. And um, we saw some of the obstacles they had either taken out. Um, we didn't have to do the bender, the sled pull. They actually took the Z-Wall out, even though we kind of ran right by it. Tyrolean Traverse, they, they didn't have for the sprint. Um, and But again, you had a couple of those grip-heavy um, challenges all in a row. So uh, again, we have the same rope climb hoist sandbag. Then later it was the bucket to the spear, to the atlas, to the, the twister again. And then again, that finish with the rig and Olympus. The main change here was uh, in the beast, they did have a couple rings right to the long bar and then right to a couple more rings to finish off. So no baseballs, no ropes. Um, just rings and a bar. Um, I did like how they, uh, in the Beast, they did put the uh, the bar in the middle. And so they kind of change it up. Sometimes you start with the bar, sometimes you finish it with it, sometimes it's in the middle. So you're never sure the order, even if you know what, what um, grips they're going to use. So it's just good to practice on, on different things there. And then for the sprint, which seems to be, again, kind of the trend, they switched the bar out for just all rings for, for the rig. And then, uh, and then finishing off with the Olympus, which I have to say this, uh, I've, I've seen the Olympus three or four times now, and this was the first time I thought I wasn't going to make it. Um, one being at the end, I'm sure have, had to do something with it, but also it just being so slippery, so muddy, and so wet. It was really hard. Um, the first time I did it on Saturday, I kind of wish somebody got a video of it, and I, I was wearing a GoPro, but you just can't see exactly how I got through. My feet slipped immediately, and I ended up going through it sideways with like my hip on the wall and just pulling myself through. And it was incredibly awkward. Um, I made it through, I'm not sure how, and uh, but just kind of funny. And then the, the second day I, I tried again, I made it maybe a few holes in and my feet just slipped right down, which again, I just normally never have an issue with that, but my, my shoes just were not uh, sticking to the wall very well. And this one, I kind of just had my chest laying on the wall and I'm pretty tall so I just had to have my feet up so my knees bent and I just made it through that way so again incredibly awkward but but made it through so um, that it kind of stresses the importance of just planning for the unknown as best you can and when you're doing some of your grip challenges your hanging challenges making sure you're changing your grip if you normally do pull-ups do chin-ups if you normally do chin-ups do pull-ups if you um, normally go through monkey bars with your left arm first, try going through with your right arm first, try going through sideways, left arm first, right arm first, all these different things because you just don't know what's going to happen in the race and you, you really want to be prepared for whatever whatever faces you there. But overall, I really like the course. Uh, like I said, it was flat, so I'm always a big fan of when we see a, a relatively flat course. Uh, it was my first time going back-to-back -back days with the beast and then the sprint. Um, and it was fun. Uh, it wasn't too too challenging, but I'm definitely feeling it a little bit this week. And um, I, I think that's that summarizes the race pretty well. So lots of mud, um, but overall uh, a great time. So as I mentioned, I'm not going to do a research review this week, but instead I wanted to get into a training technique to help you in that uh, memory obstacle. So um, I'm sure most of you know what the obstacle is, but just in case you haven't come in contact with that one, that essentially is you are going to see a banner somewhere on the racetrack earlier in the race, 
and you're gonna have to take the last two numbers of your bib and look up look it up on the chart and then find the code associated with that number and typically it's going to be a word followed by seven digits and what you'll do is you're going to remember that code you'll probably say it over and over and over again until you have it down then you're going to start running and then you'll probably keep saying it over and over and then you're going to do a couple obstacles probably forget about it and then all of a sudden a few miles later you're going to see volunteers with a clipboard asking you for your code and hopefully you still remember it but it's one of those obstacles that you probably are not going to train for at all and you're just going to rely on your memory or somebody that maybe left a sharpie there and you're going to write it down on your hand but hopefully you're not going to do that and you're going to uh, stay true to the spirit of the race and do your best to try and remember this this code that you're given and i have to admit you know the first couple times i saw it i, I did exactly what i described so i i looked at it I said it over and over and over again, and then I started running, and as I'm running, it was actually kind of nice. It was a little bit of a distraction, so you probably aren't going to feel as tired because you're thinking about memorizing this number, and you're just going to repeat it over and over. You know, if I'm running with my, my wife, a lot of times we would test each other during the race, and, you know, a couple minutes later, we'd ask each other what our code is, and then we'd, we'd shout it back to each other, and that way we just kept recalling it and, and trying to remember it. And, and this has worked for me in the past, and it's probably something that you have done in the past and may or may not have worked for you. But a lot of times I see people doing burpees here and I have to imagine it's it's gotta be so frustrating to fail this obstacle when there's so many more challenging ones that um, if you're gonna have to do burpees, save them for something like that. Obviously, hopefully you don't have to do any burpees, but uh, this is one that it's, it's pretty easy to get past it. So you don't wanna have a mental slip and and not get through this one so i wanted to talk about an ancient technique so this is actually from where else but ancient greece and um i i am not gonna uh, basically where i learned this technique from was uh, uh from another podcast it's quick brain by jim quick um, i'll put a link in the show notes if you want to check it out but it's essentially short podcast episodes to help improve the power of your brain from anything from like speed reading or um eating a nutritious diet for your brain to uh, better memory and, and all of these different things to just enhance the efficiency of, of your brain. And one thing he'll often talk about in the show is improving your memory. And one thing I have to do on a regular basis is I, I travel around the country and I speak at conferences to other fitness professionals and I have to remember a lot of different things that I wanna cover. And yes, I may have PowerPoint and slides and, and things to help, but I don't wanna have to rely on reading the notes the whole time because that's probably going to be boring for me to have my back to the my audience and just read off of a slide. So I really need to know what what I'm planning on talking about. And I often use this technique. So um, essentially where it came from. So this is around 2,500 years ago, an ancient Greek orator named Simonides, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, uh, gave a speech. And essentially he left the building where he was giving the speech and uh, a tragedy happened. And actually the building collapsed and everyone inside was was killed. And he was obligated to go back and go back with the families of, of everybody who, who was killed in the collapse. And he had to find where all the, the bodies were. And he did this by remembering where people were sitting in inside the room where they can find find the bodies for each each person there. So I know kind of a, <laughs> a sad story and um, a bummer to bring up, but, this technique is basically showing that we remember things by associating it with a location. And um, this is the technique that I use 
for for the memory challenge. And uh, so I want to walk you through exactly how how you're going to do it. So first we have we have our eight things that we are going to have to remember. So we have the word and then we have the uh, seven numbers associated with it. So um, just go, going in, it's good to know there's eight things that you're going to have to remember. Um, so then we're going to create eight landmarks or eight things you are going to associate it to. And just having places is typically a great way to do it because you already know those places. Now you're just going to assign um, the, the, the name or the numbers to each place. And, and then essentially what I, what I found to work best is you're going to make a story because most people remember stories. It's hard to remember facts and dates and numbers and things like that, but you typically remember stories and jokes and, and other things there. So that's what we're going to do. And I also found that it works best when you think of kind of a ridiculous story because it's going to make you remember it even better. So what I wanted to do was share my story that I, that I created to help my myself remember my code that I had to remember for this this challenge. So, um, what I did was so I'll typically pick like a room, a room in my house where I know it very well. I know everything inside it. I just have to think of that room, and I can picture every single piece of furniture, everything, the the complete layout of the room. And so now what I need to do is pick eight things in that room, and I will then associate the name or the number I have to remember with. A certain thing in that room. So for example, I'll walk into uh, the front door and say there's a table there, then you can associate a number to that table. And then there might be uh, a window, you associate a, a number to that window. And you're just going to create a story to help you remember those things. So here's what I did. So I imagined I opened up the front door. Actually, let me give you my code first. So what I had to remember was the, the word was kilo, and then my numbers were 047 three, four, four, seven. Um, so I created a story. I, I looked at my code. I repeated it a few times just so I would remember uh, the numbers initially. And then I started to create my story as I started running uh, along the, the, for the rest of the race. And here's the story I came up with. So I opened up the front door and sitting there was a 20 kilo or kilogram uh, kettlebell. And it was just there waiting for me to, to start a workout with it. So that was to help me remember my word, which was kilo. So I had a 20 kilo kettlebell sitting there. And then just past the kettlebell is our coffee table. And on the coffee table was a serving tray that just is shaped like a zero. So I remember my zero on the coffee table. Next to the coffee table is a bar. And there were four new shots lined up of tequila. So I had my tequila shots waiting for me right there, four of them. And then next to the bar was is our couch. And on the couch, I had seven of my closest friends all crammed in there, just squeezed, barely, barely able to fit on this couch there. Behind the couch is uh, the table. And on the table, there was a plate of three slices of bacon just waiting there for me to eat them. And right above the table, we have a, a light chandelier. And hanging from that chandelier were four monkeys just going crazy. And then next to the table is actually the stairs to go upstairs to the second level of our house. And, and I was actually my family sitting there. So there was all four of us, myself, my wife, and our two kids just sitting there hanging out on the steps. And then um, next to that, we have a cabinet. And sitting on top of the cabinet were seven cheeseburgers. And I know what you're thinking. This is just outrageous and that there's no way you would remember something like this. But the funny thing was when I traditionally do... 
uh, the memory test, I just repeat those numbers over and over and over and over and over again and hope that I remember it uh, when I get to the volunteer with the clipboard. And this one, really all I did was I created this story, I told it to myself once or twice, and then I completely stopped thinking about my code anymore. And I really didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to keep repeating it over and over. I just told my story once or twice, got it down. And then when a couple of miles later, when I got to the volunteers and had to repeat my code, I just brought my story back up. I didn't explain my story to them. I just picked the numbers that I needed to know, nailed it, and then moved on and watched other people doing burpees that, that forgot their code. So again, I know it's super silly. And why, what was I thinking about monkeys, tequila, bacon and cheeseburgers. I don't, I don't know. Those are all fun things though. And, and it helped me remember. So it's just something I, I know you're probably never going to train for the memory test, but it's one of those things. If you don't have to do burpees, uh, definitely don't. And this is a great, uh, training technique to help you remember something. So if you ever need to remember things, uh, a simple way to do it is create a story, but associate each point that you need to make or each item that you need to remember with uh, with a location, whether it's items in your room or maybe places on your body. Um, but uh, as crazy as it sounds, it's just a simple way to uh, remember things, especially when they're longer things like, like seven numbers and a word. Um, all right, so try that out and see if it helps you avoid some burpees in your next race. All right, it is time for the SGX Coaches interview, and I have on SGX Coach Mike Confer, and as I mentioned earlier, he was on a couple episodes ago, so I don't have to give a another intro for him, but I will put a link in this episode's show notes so you can check out that last interview, but Mike Confer is from MROC Training in Oceanside, California. In the last episode, we talked about uh, his training philosophy and polarized training and, and a lot of other great topics, and he's doing some pretty cool stuff with some stadium series training and racing, and I wanted to get him back on to talk a little bit more about what he's doing, and he's also going to talk about the uh, City Field race that just happened a couple weeks ago. So let's jump right into the interview. All right, I am here with SGX coach Mike Confer. Mike, how are you doing today? Doing great, Mike. How about you? Good, good. Thanks for coming back. So it, it's just been a couple of weeks we had you here talking a little bit about training, polarized training, and, and lots of awesome stuff. So I will uh, make sure I'll put a link in the show notes for our previous interview, but we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Stadium Series today. Can't wait. Yeah. So let's start off. You just got back from New York. I know you're a little tired, um, but it sounds like you had an awesome trip. So uh, I'd love it if you give us a, a quick little race recap for the city field. Sure. So uh, for those who have never done a stadium series, um, it's a really great event. It's something quite unique. Um, they they send you out in waves of 15. It's very narrow racing lanes. So um, 15 people at a time, typically about every five minutes. Uh, this race started on what seemed like a loading dock. We were on uh, up maybe five stairs on a flat cement landing and then there was like a four foot wide gate and they said, all right guys, this is where your start is. And then it dropped three feet. Oh man. And, uh, so it was, it was really tight and literally they were like three, two, one go. And you had to jump over this three foot ledge and then start racing down the inner corridors of the stadium. And that's, what's so cool about the stadium is it's not just like a bleacher workout where you're up and down the stairs. There's a lot of that. Uh, but you're in the infield, you're in the hallways, you're running around the vending areas, you're in and out of the press rooms, locker rooms, like, you get to see parts of a stadium that you would never see if, you know, just as a fan or, or mm -hmm. anything else. 
So it was really neat. Um, again, we started off this drop, uh, immediately cut around the, the dugout and ran through the dugout back into the locker room, um, and then started going upstairs. And there's not only the stairs uh, in the bleacher area where the seats are, but all the stairs on the outside perimeters that go up to the different levels and the different decks. And uh, one thing they do in the stadium series is they use this bungee cord material and they create this interweb pattern of like a low crawl. And it's not, you don't have to get on your hands and knees. I'm, I'm short, I'm 5'6". Mm-hmm. I have to hunch over like 90 degrees at the waist and I can still run through. But then you've got these bands just like sliding down your back. So you can bear crawl or side shuffle or do a beast charge. Uh, you know, know your SGX ABCs. You, yeah. you can crawl under, but if you're screaming and going fast, uh, you know, then these things are just rubbing on your back. Mm-hmm. And they they bust those out quite a bit throughout the course, not just on the straightaways, but even up the stairs. Nice. And that was actually really cool to me. I thought one of the first obstacles, I'm on my hands and feet, bear crawling up a stairwell underneath this bungee cord like you feel like an animal when you're doing that like you really do uh we popped out of that the next obstacle was the cargo net a-frame um so that was a lot of fun rolled down the net uh at the stadium races um they do a lot of obstacles that you won't typically see at an outdoor race um the first of which uh for this race was this dolly walk um they call it rolling epic Hmm. and basically they have a little furniture dolly that you'd move you know put under your refrigerator if you're moving it and you put your feet inside of that, and then they have these two lines marked out, maybe 20 feet, and you have to be in an upward plank, like a push-up, and walk with your hands, cross the red line, turn around, and walk all the way back. Oh, nice. Um, so that's that was something a little different. Yeah. Um, so we had to do that. Uh, and then it was right into the bleacher area, uh, where you're not only going up and down the stairs, but through the aisles. So they'll actually tape off section, like different rows of seating, you know, um, like H through K, and you've got mm-hmm. to run this whole section go up maybe five or six stairs, and then run back, and it's a zigzag back, back and forth, up and down pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, and they probably did that three or four times throughout the race. You're in field, I- inside the locker room, you know, hiding up around the corridors, back out on the bleachers, back mm-hmm. on the infield. It's, you're all over the place all the time. Um, so as I'm recapping, I'm just, you know, I took notes after the race. I'm like, what exactly happened? So I'm trying to <laughs> recap it the best. So for anybody else that was out there, you know, if you're like, whoa, no, that wasn't the next obstacle, guys. I'm trying to give my best rendition of how this all went down. Um, I was going very, very fast, so I can only remember so much. Um, and then one of the next obstacles that, again, is unique to this race is uh, their repetitious obstacles. So whereas they don't have the mountainous terrain and the mud and the fire, uh, they instead throw out calisthenic-based obstacles. Um, one of them was a heavy jump rope where you have to skip it 20 times under your feet. Uh, there was one that you had to do 25 ball slams. And I, again, I was moving, it was kind of a blur, so I didn't get a chance to look at what the weight was. But I do ball slams quite a bit with 20 and 30 pound balls, and this felt a lot heavier mm. than that. Ah. Um, so it was, a, it was enough that you couldn't really go fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to count out loud. And, mm-hmm. um, so we did our ball slams. Um, one of the next obstacles was the Herc hoist. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty typical one. Uh, but what's unique at a stadium race is they don't put the fence up where you would normally be able to, to brace your foot. Uh, and I know when we coach our athletes how to do the hercoise, we teach with one foot grounded and how to kick back and use that leverage point. Well, they can't. I actually got to talk to some of the uh, race coordinators and, and referees and stuff. So they were explaining to me why they don't have the fence. And it's actually pretty simple. They can't stake it into the ground. Mm-hmm. So if if there's no stable and secure way to do it when you're setting everything up on cement, 
uh, it's better just to not have anything at all. Yeah. So they did lighten the weight a little bit um, because it was raining. That's the one thing I didn't mention. It was soaking wet, oh. <laughs> uh, which made a really fun, for a really fun, slippery course. Um, so the Hercoise wasn't a problem, uh, personally, for me. Um, although I had failed it last year at the AT&T um, San Francisco race, mm-hmm. not having trained with my foot, yeah. and then being all of a sudden on the spot without the ability to use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've definitely been training the last year to do a, a hands-only turquoise. Yeah. Um, so kept going through the rain. Uh, monkey bars were outside, so oh, nice. those were soaking wet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know Spartan Race likes to use the um, like the two-inch galvanized piping, like fence piping for the monkey bars. Typically it goes up, down, up, down, up, down. This time it was straightforward, but it was far apart. They were probably about two feet apart on oh. the bars. Um, and I talked to a lot of the, the female racers and Again, I'm not very big. Anybody smaller than me uh, had a really hard time getting a grip on those bars. And not to mention they were just covered in water. Uh, and then some of the other standard obstacles, they had the six and eight foot walls. Uh, they had a mobile Z wall that mm-hmm. they had put up. Uh, they did the Atlas carry, except in this one they do uh, heavy rubber. So it's still a block that you have to pick up. Mm-hmm. It's just not a stone ball. Do that, do your burpees, which brings you to the spear throw. Uh, unfortunately, I did miss my spear throw this time. Uh, not having the best of luck in race environment, uh, race day settings when it comes to that darn spear. But I did my burpees and moved on. Uh, other things they had is, uh, I t- mentioned a little bit about the ramps. You're not just running mm-hmm. upstairs, but um, if you've ever been inside a stadium, there's a lot of ramps. You can take the stairs, you can take the ramps. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the times they were laying that bungee cord. Mm-hmm. So uh, it wasn't just running up the ramps, it was crawling up the ramps. And that was just, that this kills your quads. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. just really starts to burn. Um Back out on the bleachers, we did the sandbag carry, so you got your Spartan pancake. Mm-hmm. Uh, no mountain to carry it up, but I'll tell you what, the steps will, will eat you up mm-hmm. uh, carrying that sandbag up and down the stairs. Uh, two more of the rep obstacles. We had, they had 25 hand-release push-ups uh, where you had to chest to the ground, lift your arms, and press back up. Uh, and then heading outside for the final finisher stretch, uh, you really you popped out onto the infield, and you ran across um, in front of the home field dugout and it was a series of uh, 30 box jumps. So they had a big platform set up. I believe it was 24 inches for the guys, 20 inches for the ladies. Next up was the the standard rope climb. And uh, the last is the gladiator gauntlet, which is where they hang a bunch of heavy uh, punching bags or MMA bags. And they're all real close together and you have to navigate your way through. And then there's the finish. Uh, and for anybody that has been doing Spartan long enough, they actually used to have gladiators uh, yeah. at the finish line yeah. where they'd be joicing you and jabbing <laughs> you. They've since done away with that, uh, so this is the next best thing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and that did it. Um, for me, it was a 36-minute race. It was 2.76 miles, which is pretty long for a stadium race. Uh, typically, the pros are finishing in 25 to 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, fast race, um, but longer in, in, in the stadium world than mm-hmm. it typically is. But uh, a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah, and um, you know we've, we've talked maybe briefly about the stadium series on this podcast, and it's it's definitely unique, and it's something that if you've gotten into a Spartan race and you haven't tried one yet, I mean, I highly recommend it. It's, it's just different. You know, you will see some of those similar obstacles, maybe tweaks here and there. Um, but also, if you've never done a race before, it's not a bad place to start either if you maybe you're not sure about the mud or the hills and mountains, and it intrigues you, some of these obstacles, but you're just not sure about the full commitment. It's a great place to start and just, just get 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 your feet wet in the in the spartan race and normally it is pretty dry although it, it sounds like you guys had a little bit of water to deal with well i'll tell you the the fun thing about the the water um 
the and I got a chance to ask uh, Bracken and then John Yatsko, who also finishes very well. He was third at mm-hmm. this race. I got a chance to ask them afterwards. I said, you know, guys, I'm going to be doing an interview uh, in the next few days about this race. What are your tips? You guys are constantly, consistently at the top uh, of this game. Yeah. You know, for the stadium specifically, you know, what do you recommend? Uh, obviously, stairs was a big one. You got to run stairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Bracken's one tip was you have to practice going downstairs quickly. Um, and just like in trail running, a lot of people have a hard time going down a trail quickly. Going fast downstairs, going fast downstairs when it's wet, some, that's a whole new world. Yeah. Um, I actually preferred it because when I'm racing these uh, stadium races, I typically keep a hand on the railing. And because it was wet, there it wasn't causing any friction. So you could literally just slide down that rail, wow. yeah. jump, leap and bound two or three stairs at a time, bound, 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 and then rip around the corner it's like a kid racing through the grocery store <laughs> like it's so much fun um but then definitely practice your 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 ups too but be if you want to be competitive you have to be comfortable going down mm-hmm. multiple stairs at a time quickly and then uh you know not eat it yeah yeah and um that's that's pretty similar with the normal spartan race where you hear people that are competitive they'll stress the importance of that downhill movement so it just makes sense that getting down the down the stairs quicker is going to be a huge advantage um, so I want to, want to take the time now and let's get into a little bit of Spartan training for a stadium series. So, um, actually quick, before we get into this, I know you just wrote a blog post on this uh, race recap. Plus you had a, a, a full day in New York city <laughs> and, um, I don't know if you want to just give a quick highlight of some of the yeah, things Yeah. You know, um, a lot, the, the race portion of the blog is, is, is short and brief. It's very, it's pretty much, uh, everything we just talked about, yeah. um, with a few extra notes in there. Um, but for anybody that's never been to New York City, man, it's it's a it's an amazing place. I personally have never been, mm-hmm. um, so I knew I wanted to make the most of it. And I flew in late Thursday night, um, got the cheapest room possible, which was a <laughs> YMCA hostel sort of nice. uh, environment. And I got up at seven a.m. Friday and spent twelve hours in the Big Apple. And it, I I saw every possible thing I think anybody could expect <laughs> to see in a twelve hour period. Um, Quickly, that was the Brooklyn Bridge, uh, the Staten Island Ferry, the Statue of Liberty, the Charging Bull, Wall Street, um, Broad Broadway, uh, Empire State Building, the Washington Square, Empire State, Rockefeller Central Park, Carnegie Hall, Times Square, uh, Grand Central Terminal, and anything in between. Yeah. Uh, and I was able to do that because they have this really great system where you can rent bicycles for up to 30 minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. So I would, and there's docking stations everywhere. So I would undock a bike, and I would pedal across two or three, because you know, everything's close, it's a small island. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would see two or three destinations, park the bike, walk around, grab a different bike, and mm-hmm. then go out for 30 minutes again. Um, maybe not the best uh, strategy the day before a race, <laughs> uh, but I figured it's better than walking. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, and I actually felt fine. I, I drank my gallon plus of water, and mm. I, I, I ate really clean. There's actually a lot of healthy places to eat in New yeah, York, yeah. as long as you know how to use Yelp. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I ate well. I stayed hydrated. I actually kept my body moving, which helped me recover from the nine plus hours of, of flight yeah. that it took to get from San Diego to New York in the first place. Yeah, yeah. So I was feeling pretty fresh. Um, but I, everywhere I went, I took a selfie. I, I took the selfie stick with me, and I, I put all those pictures and a like a chronological uh, timeline of mm-hmm. what that day looked like. Yeah. For anybody that's planning a trip to New York or just wanted to see. Maybe some people that are from New York saying, mm-hmm. there's no way you saw that much stuff in one day. 
No, I did. Yeah. And uh, the pictures are there to, to prove it. So definitely <laughs> check out that post. Awesome. Yeah, so I'll put a link in the show notes so you can see some of those pictures. And I'm assuming uh, some hot dogs and pizza weren't weren't on your uh, I, diet No, plan. I did not. Yeah. Uh, everybody's like, you have to eat a bagel or uh-huh. a Jewish deli or a hot dog stand yeah. or New York pizza. I didn't do any of that. Um, I was really focused on the race. Yeah. And I was able to eat very consistently with how I do normally at home. Mm-hmm. Um, even t- where, I, where I went for lunch and dinner, and I, I referenced these in the blog, uh, probably some nicer than some of the places I'm able to find here to eat. Awesome. Like literally I had free-range chicken broth mm-hmm. and uh, you know, with my, as a side dish with my lunch. Yeah. Like where can you get that? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and I had, was able to have quinoa and, and, and kale and sweet potatoes for mm-hmm. my pre-race dinner. Nice. Get some good complex carbs in there and you know, some steak. Uh, and the things that I like to eat, and I've referenced all that in the blog. Yeah, but yeah. I was surprised. I was worried mm-hmm. uh, that I was my nutrition was going to be a mess. And um, no, it actually worked out really well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, because it could be if you're not careful in, in New York, especially. Oh yeah, but... I planned it out. I literally planned everything out by the minute. Yeah. I have ten minutes to do this, fifteen minutes to do that, thirty minutes to go here. Yeah. Um, and with with any training, you know, we're going to talk start talking about training. You need a plan. Yeah. Like you need to know exactly what you're going to do if you want to compete at that level. Yeah. Um, or for anybody, even if it's your first race, even yeah. if you're you not don't feel like garbage. No, you want to feel yeah. good. You want to go into it knowing that you're prepared. Uh, and I knew if I was gonna if I was gonna risk being out on my feet all day, being a tourist, I was gonna have to stay high. I brought all. I was keeping track of how much water I was, you know, re, when I was refilling, when mm-hmm. I was drinking, mm-hmm. and when I was eating, and it worked out really well awesome awesome yeah and, you know i grew up about an hour and a half uh north of new york city and i have to admit i think you've seen more in new york than i've i've ever seen so <laughs> i'll have to get back there and make up for it well now um, you have a roadmap. yeah exactly <laughs> um so let's get into training a little bit and, and let's you know a little bit more on the the stadium series i know you're you're going to be running quite a few this year which which races are you going to be going to um well i'm absolutely committed to um washington dc uh, LA and San Francisco. Um, I've signed up for all of them. Mm-hmm. I have the season pass, so I did sign up for all of them. Uh, but I do have a, a seven month old and a wife and mm-hmm. a business to run. So, um, a lot of responsibilities back home. And to be quite honest, I didn't like being away from them for yeah, two days. Yeah. That was rough. Um, so they will be going with me to, uh, DC and nice. luckily the, uh, San Francisco and LA we can go to together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I would really like to get out to, to Dallas if I can make that happen next month. And um, if my if I don't do as well as I hope this summer, uh, I'll do a makeup race in Philly. If, okay. if, it, if need be, um, I'll go out there. All right. All right. Awesome. So you're, you're racing at a pretty high, high level. And um, we, before we were recording, we were talking about some things that I, I think is worth bringing up. And um, let's talk about the waves a little bit. So getting in that first wave, if you want to be in the elite category... How does that all work? I'm, I'm glad you asked. Um, so we mentioned it's only 15 at a time. Yeah. Um, and typically that would just be, hey, depending on where you get in line, because they, it's it's literally like a cattle corral, and everybody's mm-hmm. on this stairwell, and they start to move you a couple people at a time down the stairs until you get to the start line. All right, one, two, three, four, five. All right, you 15, you go, and you stand on these dots, uh, and then they say go, and you take off. Um, but the first female and the first male wave of the day of the elite category is going to be based on your stadium point series rankings. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stadium series is, although those races count towards trifectas, and although those points will count towards your overall season rankings, they also have a separate stadiums point series, just like the NBC races have their own series uh, points as well. 
So uh, it's it would be really nice if you're racing at that highest level to get in that top 15 spot. Mm-hmm. And the only way you're going to do it is by doing stadium races and ranking well. Um, and that's what my goal is, is I want to be able to show up at these later races in the season and have people know who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to go into that race saying, oh, he's a top 10 guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's my goal. Um, for anybody else, just know that if you are signing up for the Elite Wave, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go off at 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not ranked in the top 15 for stadiums specifically, it could be a, a crapshoot. And you might be waiting 45 minutes in the corral before you go because it's typically every 5 minutes they're sending people off. Yeah, so it's kind of like feast or famine. Like if you could be 16th, 17th rank, but you, unless you're there first thing, you might not be going out in that second wave or third wave. Even it could be way down the road. So oh yeah, at least something to consider if you want to be towards the front. You got to be ready for it. Yeah, and there was uh, one of those guys in the wave that didn't make that top 15, and he was making a scene about it. Mm-hmm. I'm faster than all those guys. Blah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. yeah. Well, I saw his, his his score at the end of the day. He wasn't that fast. Um, <laughs> But it's just funny. It's like, well, hey, this is the way it's going to be. So um, I think we talked about this before. The stadium is its own it's its own beast. Mm-hmm. you got to play the game. Yeah. So if, if Now, I started in the third wave uh, this last race, and that has its uh, pros and cons, too. So one of the advantages is you get to chase people down, mm-hmm. and that was kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, but as soon as I missed my spear, I lost track of where I was. Mm-hmm. So although I knew I had already caught 10 people by the time I got there, as soon as you go into the burpee corral, you lose track of everything. Yeah, yeah. So I no longer knew where I stood. So the rest of the race was just uh, give it everything you got because I have no idea where I'm at right now. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit different. Yeah. And kind of on that, that note, um, you know, if you've been running certain races, there might be that, that single file trail that you're running through the woods. But in a stadium series, you're for sure going to have that where you just can't pass whenever you want. It's You kind of have to have a little strategy. And I know you had a little issue when you were running where you were having a hard time getting by somebody. Yeah, for all Spartans listening to this, uh, or any racers, 5K, half marathon, whatever it is, if you're getting passed and you hear on the left, that means you move to the right and let somebody <laughs> go by. Um, and that's really hard to do when you're running literally through the rows. Like That's what, a foot maybe of running space, foot and a half mm-hmm. of, of cement, where you've got to drop off to your right and you've got stairs to your left or seats to your left mm-hmm. and um that that happened to me I, I approached somebody and i was on your left on your left and they were intentionally blocking the lane mm-hmm. and um you know i tried to make a leap for it and jump up and over the stairs and that didn't uh turn out fair too well for me um ended up taking a pretty heavy hit to the leg but yeah. that just made me a little more uh <laughs> excited to go faster and get in front yeah. of them and i did yeah and that's fine yeah um but yeah it's like you can make those crazy moves like on a downhill race, mm-hmm. but it's really hard in a stadium to, to hit some of those corners. Even the stairways. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple times coming down the stairs. You can only go so fast down the stairs. And if you, when there, there's only five or six stairs at a time, and then it's you know, you're switch back and going back and forth, you just can't pass. Like You literally have to wait until uh, you get off the stairs and it opens up again. Because yeah. if, if somebody in front of you is hugging the inside lane and has their hand on that railing, your only option is to go wide. Mm-hmm. It's pretty hard to pass somebody going down, going wide when they yeah. have that inside advantage. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, get in front as soon as you can. Absolutely. And I, I remember last year we did the uh, Fenway Park Stadium race, and I remember we're cutting through the seats, and it sounds like it was a similar setup where there was three rows that you could pick to go down. So we had a couple people we were behind for a while, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to pass them on, on this set. So they went to the middle, and I sped up to get to the bottom row, and I was trying to beat them 
to the other side so I can get to the stairs and go down. And, you know, you kind of just stop paying attention a little bit. And I kicked a cup holder as I was going. I was going down and it actually benefited me being in the first row. As I'm falling, I was able to grab like the glass or plexiglass, whatever it is, yeah. barrier and pre- prevented from completely eating it down the stairs. But, you know, it's scary for a second. Um, then when I get to the finish line, I see my arm is completely covered in blood because I had cut it going down there. Um, but yeah, it's something, you know, these are fun, but you do have to be careful with yeah. with how you attack that race. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they can be dangerous if, yeah. if you're going full speed. And, it, you know, you'd mentioned earlier, you know, for people, hey, this could be a great starter race for people, but I would also say don't discredit it as it being a legitimate race for somebody that's wanting to go fast. Yeah. I think you can play both sides of that, oh, that field. Yeah. Um, a lot of t- people say, well, it's only 2.7 miles, mm-hmm. right? It was a 30-minute race. How bad was it? Well, if you look at my heart rate monitor, I was in zone five for over 20 minutes yeah, straight. Yeah. yeah. Um, most people, I mean, would be vomiting mm-hmm. at, at that level. Yeah. Any race you do can be a race if you race it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's really all on you. How much do you want to give it? Definitely. So, you know, you can do you, you can do beasts all day long, but if you're walking the course, you know, a four-hour beast is still going to be easier than 35 minutes in zone five. Yeah. Yeah. So. Absolutely. So let's let's get into training a little bit. I know we last time we had you on, we we briefly talked about some things, but let's get into um, maybe some specific differences versus uh, you know a sprint, a, a beast, or a super. Um, what are at least some things that right off the bat that you want to consider going in? Well, you certainly don't need to run as much mileage. I mean, that would be uh, the big thing. You'd want to do more cross training. Uh, you and I have very similar um, views on what a, a training program might look like for running. Maybe three days a week of running, two days a week of cross training, mm-hmm. maybe one day of doing obstacle specific stuff. Yeah. Um, with the running, then uh, you have to say, well, if I'm going to run, what am I going to do? Well, what, at least one of those days needs to be stairs. Yeah. You know, find stairs at, at a mall <laughs> or like an outdoor plaza or, of course, like a football stadium or, you know, high school stadium mm-hmm. somewhere. Bleachers, stairs, something that you can run up and down. And then get creative with that. Um, do you know multiple stairs at a time? Do mm-hmm. do bounds and hops, and uh, you can do karaoke's up and down, and do side shuffles up and down. Do single leg, you know, springs up, uh, spring ups, mm-hmm. all kinds of different things up the stairs, so that, like you said, when you're running down that that row, you don't exactly know what foot is going to go in front of the other yeah, yeah. at any given time. So being very good at adapting to that is is going to help. Um, a second one of those running days should really just be focused on speed because mm-hmm. you're never going to have that long straight stretch. I mean, man, I, I don't think I ever, in a, in a stadium, you're ever running more than 100 meters yeah. without a stair or a crawl under or a climb over. Mm-hmm. You're always doing something. So doing short distance, high speed interval work, long rest, and then just really go hard and attack the, those uh, runs. Mm-hmm. I really like one day a week to be on the track. Okay. Uh, and I don't spend more than 30 minutes on the track, and that is typically less than three and a half miles worth of total volume. Um, but it's really about quality and, and holding that, that high intensity. Yeah. Um, but then I do still, you know, the, the third day is, is either going to be a long, slow distance day or a tempo-based run. Okay. You know, figure out what, you know, because you, you still want to keep your, your basic pace um, and to, to know what, when you are running, how fast can you go. So for so you, when you say like long slow distance, um, wh- what would your recommendation be? Because you know obviously we don't need to be running ten miles. No, yeah, I this, mean, but but it, that that type of workout is still going to be beneficial for this type of training. Yeah, I mean it's still going to help your aerobic capacity and it's still going to help you 
uh, with a lot of other things, just time on your feet and getting mm-hmm. your body used to being a runner, um, which you need to have that comfort and familiarity with. You know, so when you come out of an obstacle and you start running again, your legs don't feel so foreign. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's almost the running almost turns into recovery. Yeah, you yeah. know, at that point, um, I I really don't run more than three and a half four miles uh, on my long day. Uh, and even if I were to start training for a, a traditional sprint, I would never really go over five miles because mm-hmm. the race isn't going to be over that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what, I, I don't find there being a point in that because you're doing so much more quality work throughout the week uh, and then even throwing in uh, little bits and pieces with your cross-training sessions. Mm-hmm. You don't need it um, for sprints and under. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about. Yeah. So yeah. for anybody hearing this and thinking, no, you need to run 40, 50, 60 miles a week, we're not talking about that, guys. We're talking yeah. about stadium sprints specifically mm-hmm. uh so one day a week uh, you know three to four mile run tempo um just sub race pace yeah, yeah. Uh, and then those other two days are quality workouts either on a track or on the stairs okay cool and then so what are your recommendations for like that cross training day should it be like heavy strength should it be kind of a hybrid uh what, what are your thoughts there um i i recommend that people do two day every workout um if you're only doing two days a week it really needs to be a full body workout. Mm-hmm. So we like to do um, heavy lifts. You know, we'll start off obviously your proper warm up mm-hmm. uh, and whatnot, and get your core activated and everything. Um, and we have a really great resource that we're, we're going to be putting out on our, our website, the OCR Survival Guide. Nice. And part of that, um, one of the chapters is going to be our um, ten ways to optimize every workout. And this is going to be very similar to the things that you've talked about in the past, and I think we touched on briefly in our last interview as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're going to get the best out of your session, you have to be ready for that session. We actually mm-hmm. have seven of those ten steps or what you should do before your workout. Nice. Uh, three of them are after. But once you get there, uh, we like to do some heavy compound lifts, you know, squats, deadlifts, power cleans, um, something that's that's heavy uh, and building raw, raw power and strength. Um, low reps, heavy weights, long rests, mm-hmm. uh, and then finish the day with some sort of conditioning segment for more your strength and stamina. Uh and you want to take a look at well, what heavy movements did I do and were they focusing on pushing or pulling, uh, upper body, lower body, mm-hmm. whatever you weren't doing, let's paint the rest of that picture, pick out you know anywhere from three to five uh, different movements and um, put them in some sort of circuit or some sort of AMRAP where you're going as many rounds for time or mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. four rounds for time, I'm going to do these five exercises in this order, mm-hmm. this many reps, as fast as I can, mm-hmm. four times, some sort of like Metcon style yeah, workout. Yeah. And it really shouldn't take you more than 10 minutes, 15 mm-hmm. minutes at most. Because yeah. the main focus of that day isn't the metabolic conditioning, but the, the raw power and strength and lifting. That's the focus. Mm-hmm. You're going to do all that speed and intensity, go to your puke stuff when you're on the track. Yeah, yeah. It can't be every day. Uh, and I don't want to you know, go back into what we talked about our last interview. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. You can't go hard every day. Mm-hmm. Training doesn't work like that. So pick a day where you're lifting heavy. And, and, you know, not necessarily keeping your heart rate pegged so high. Yeah. Uh, and then switch that up with a running day and then back to a cross-training day. But that's how two of my cross-training days look. It's going to okay. be heavy lifts uh, and then maybe 10 to 15 minutes of conditioning mm-hmm. and then a proper cool down. And then that one day a week, uh, we do the OCR-specific training where I'll take 10 to 15, maybe 20 different obstacles or calisthenic-based um, exercises like mm-hmm. the things we said are in the stadium race. Yeah. Uh, run a little bit do the obstacle, run a little bit, do the exercises, run, 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 uh, and just simulate that that experience as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And so in your obstacle-specific day, it's probably not looking that different than a normal 
like if, if you're training for a sprint, maybe even a super, maybe some durations are training, but um, you're just substituting in the obstacles you typically see in a stadium series. Yeah, so um, in st- the the biggest one being those those repetitious obstacles where you're actually counting things out for reps. Um, so again, there's ball slams, heavy jump ropes, hand release push-ups. Probably want to throw in a set of burpees just in case you miss something mm-hmm. um, and those sorts of things. So you want to have those maybe instead of uh, some of the other obstacles um, that you would typically train for. Yeah. Uh, still throw in your Hercules, still practice your spear. If you mm-hmm. have access to a wall, still do that. Uh, the distance of the run would be different. Yeah. So when I'm doing these stadium sessions, uh, I have a 200 meter loop around mm-hmm. our gym. So I'm sprinting 200 meters as fast as I can coming in and then I'm doing all my obstacles back to back to back. So yeah. for me uh, and how we train at, at our gym is we'll typically set up a course with 10 to 15 obstacles have a running element, and then all the obstacles are back to back to back. Gotcha. And then and we'll do that as many rounds as you can in a certain time frame. Nice. Um, I had been training in the 20 to 25 minute time domain uh, for this race uh, based on last year's experience with stadium mm-hmm. races. Mm-hmm. And this was a long race. So it took me 10, 15 minutes outside my comfort zone. Gotcha. Uh, which, you know, is eye-opening. Yeah. Uh, and I just tweak a few things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know as I start training for that next race... Um, add a, uh, maybe add two more rounds to what I'm used to, yeah, to yeah. doing, and and go a little bit longer, and uh, practice the spear a little more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, get ready for that next one. <laughs> and it seems like the kind of the goal of those style workouts, obviously, to practice the obstacles, so you, you get that that technique down, or just be more become more efficient at it. But it seems like a huge advantage is to hit an obstacle, and then be able to run, run upstairs, or or do a quick sprint, and then get to the next obstacle. So it seems like that's probably the primary goal of that type of workout. Yeah, well, these these stadium races are merciless. They they're unforgiving. You're not, well, um, it's very very unlikely that you will finish top twenty if you miss an obstacle. Yeah, yeah. That's just it's probably not going to happen. Um, I finished fourteenth, uh, having had missed my spear. And if anybody out there is listening and, and they finished top twenty and they did burpees too, let me know. But I'm pretty sure everybody else that was top twenty had a clean race. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it's unforgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're right. You have to be able to obstacle go, obstacle go, and you have to keep reminding yourself it's gonna be. Oh, it's a short race. Mm-hmm. Go hard. Go. You yeah, do yeah. not need to stop. You do not need to stop. It's a racing is such an internal struggle. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I here? What is why? Why am I doing this? Is it really worth it? Mm-hmm. I want to stop. No, I don't. Yeah. I want to keep going, but can I keep going? Mm-hmm. And for me, that's the whole race is just that conversation with myself. Yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. man, I had to do burpees. Is it even worth keep going? Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's still somebody in front of you. Yeah. And they yeah. shouldn't be. Go yeah. get them. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah, and I, I just like that point you you bring up that internal struggle because I think we've all been there where whether it's just a training day where you're just kind of like. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I really want to do this. Or in a race where it's like, I can just walk the rest of this. I'm already, you know, behind or, you know, whatever, and just kind of feeling down. But, um, you know, kind of catching those negative thoughts there and, and just um, stopping them right there and remembering if you always have that why, you know, what, well, why did you sign up in the first place? And if you can always bring that out, that's hopefully enough motivation to, to get some of those negative thoughts out of there and and help you push through and get to that finish line and, and feel good about it. Absolutely. Every time we start a new training phase, um, we have a we have a big wall in our gym where everybody has a I call it their their member dashboard mm-hmm. and it has their benchmark lifts and run times, but also their goals. And uh, lately, we've been coming in after every cycle saying, "All right, everybody, grab a whiteboard marker, 
first things first, did you set any new benchmarks last week when we retested? Update your board. Number two, what are your goals? Are they the same? Have they changed? Do you mm-hmm. need to reevaluate? And um, some people struggle with, like, well, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. And uh, they think it's silly. And it's it's not. I mean, mm-hmm. look at anybody that's successful in, in sport or in business. Yeah. They have very clear goals. Yeah. And more often than not, they write them down mm-hmm. and they, they reaffirm them and say them aloud and uh, they're consistent about it. And um, I can tell you that, that that'll help when you hit those those dark spots. And it's like, man, I don't think I want to be here anymore. And yeah. when you really start to beat yourself up. And what I can tell you is if you giving up on a course or a race that you've committed to and you've trained for is the worst possible thing. You will never be able to live that down. Yeah, you will always yeah. regret that one time mm-hmm. that you let an obstacle or a failure get inside your head and you decided to walk away and, and give up because mm-hmm. you'll never get that back. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no going back in time and fixing it. Mm-hmm. So all, everything you did to get to that point was, you, you, I mean, you always still have that journey. Yeah. But it, in essence, you kind of are letting that all go to the wayside. And all the yeah. people that helped you and all the people that were holding you accountable mm-hmm. and all the people that believed in you, you're letting them down if you let if you stop, yeah. if you give yeah. up on yourself. So having that why and, and in those moments, like identifying that, mm-hmm. say, if, hey, if, if, for no, if, if not for me, for everybody else, yeah, like, yeah. let's finish this, you know, and let's, let's come out the other side still smiling, saying, you know what? So what? You know, yeah, I failed an obstacle. And I could have done better, and mm-hmm. I could have done this, and I would have, or I should have. Yeah. But you know what? I still had fun, mm-hmm. and I picked myself up, and I feel really good about the fact that I was able to make up that much ground, th- you know, with the challenges that I was faced with. Yeah, yeah. And it's um, it's always a learning experience too, where most likely that's not the last race you're ever going to run. So it's like you know what? Because uh, I've been there, where kind of like you mentioned, it's it's a short race. You need to go hard. But you always have that in the back of your mind. But I need to pace myself, or don't don't uh, don't unload everything right now. But I've gotten to a finish line where I'm just like, damn, I I held way too much back, and I, I could have pushed it hard. So you know, you obviously have to find that balance and not throw up 200 meters out of the starting line. But you you need to push yourself and um, understand that hey, it's it's 30 to 60 minutes depending on your your uh, fitness level, most likely that's relatively a short Spartan race. So we can push this pretty hard and, um, you know, let it out there, let it all out there. And if, if you misjudged it and you went too hard, you know, for next time, or if you just didn't go hard enough, it's not the end of the world. You're going to learn from it and grow for your next race. Sure. Awesome. Um, kind of building off that. So going hard, I, I just want to touch on your, your speed work a little bit. Sure. So when you're out the track, uh, I know we talked a little bit about this last time, you know, you're, you're out there warming up for quite a while and it's a relatively short workout. Um, but what, what would a typical track workout look like for you? So I actually have two that I go back and forth with, and this might, um, actually contradict what I was saying about the short intensity, uh, or short distance of my runs, but I have two workouts that I like to go back and forth each week. Um, my A workout is a four by eight and a six by four, um, which brings me to three and a half miles. Okay. And after the 800 meter, uh, intervals, I'm resting two minutes. And after the 400 meter intervals, I'm only resting one minute. Okay. Uh, for anybody that hasn't done that before, you definitely want to start with longer rest. Mm-hmm. So three or maybe four minute after the eight and two Absolutely. or three minutes after yeah. the four. A lot of a lot of that is going to depend on well, what is your 
how long does it take you to do those? Mm-hmm. So I'm usually hitting those 800s in like the 250 range, mm-hmm. um, and then the 400s around 115. Okay. Um, 115, 120. Yeah. Uh, That's moving. So I mean, yeah, you yeah. know, it's not as fast as I'd like it to be. Yeah. Um, but you know, on the grand scheme of things, I guess it's, it's consistent. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, but you want that, you know, what I'm looking for is about a one to one ratio or a little bit less. Yeah. Um, but for somebody that hasn't done that kind of work, you know, you would want a, a one to two or yeah. a one to three and Absolutely. then slowly build your way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we mean by that is, you know, work to rest interval. So yeah. if it takes you four minutes to do an 800, a one to one would be four minute rest. Yeah. Right. So if it's taking me three minutes and I'm taking two minutes, well, I'm less than a one to one. So, um, but that's what I do on one workout of the week. Uh, and then the other week, my B workout on the track is, is pretty cool. It's 16, 800, 400, 400, 800, 1600. Nice. And that is, again, two and a half miles. So okay. I just, I, it's a reverse pyramid. So yeah. I drop it down to the four and then I build it back up to the mile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with all these runs, we're looking for negative splits. So we're trying to hit the same time or get faster. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like the six by four on my, on my workout A uh, I want my last 400 to be my fastest, not my slowest. Mm-hmm. Um, and consistently hitting those times are getting better. And then what's cool about that pyramid workout is you're starting and ending with a mile. Well, if you run that first mile in 540, <laughs> you're going to have a lot of fun trying to hit that 540 again yeah, yeah. You know, at the end mm-hmm. after you run another two miles worth of work. Um, but you get to see it all lay, lay out because you know, mm-hmm. you're building down to short and then building back up to long again. Uh, the only difference here is I take the three minute rest after um, the mile, yeah, uh, and then two two minute after the eight, one minute after the four, and then right back after it again. Nice. So those those two have been working out pretty well for me. Awesome. Um, you could certainly go shorter mm-hmm. um, distances. You could experiment with longer rest intervals, um, or you could just do time based. If you don't, have, uh, luckily I live right next to a, a great university, so mm-hmm. it's easier for me to hop on the track. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, on some days, some of the, the track people are actually out there, so I get to try to catch them, which is fun. Because <laughs> um, those times are not impressive compared to a track person yeah, yeah. at all. Uh, but for a 32-year-old guy that's got a full-time gig, like, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. I'm happy to go out there and do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, they can be time-based, too. Mm-hmm. It, could be on a inter- it could be on a treadmill. Yeah, or yeah. Just, if you have a, a nice flat trail you like or a section of road or around the block, it could be light pole to light pole. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, hey, I'm just going to set my timer to go off every minute. I'm going to go a minute on, a minute off, a yeah. minute on, a minute off. Uh, but experiment with those intensity and rest protocols. Awesome. For sure. Awesome. That's perfect. Um, well, as we close up here, anything else that, uh, that we missed or I should have asked you if somebody's thinking about a, a stadium series? Man, I, we covered a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we did, and um, not that I can think of. I mean, it's a great, it's a great. They're a great series. They really mm-hmm. are, and it allows you to see um, some stuff you would never see before. Maybe one tip is if you are racing at that high end level, mm-hmm. stick around and do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I've noticed is that when you're racing that fast, um, all you see is concrete and and, and, the, and shoes. That's a good point. Yeah, um, and getting to run it again and just go slow and actually take in the view from the top of the bleachers especially yeah. if, if you're going to travel and see some places you've never seen before mm-hmm. um at&t stadium in san francisco is beautiful yeah you get yeah. up to the top and you actually see the bay and the bridge and everything else mm-hmm. and when you run that first wave you're not looking at that stuff yeah, yeah. so and that, i guess you could say that about any race yeah stop and, stop and smell the roses mm-hmm. like you know if you are going to race at that super high level maybe get back out on the course and appreciate a little bit yeah or at least go out and just root on those other people in the course or pick one or two obstacles you can go to and hang out and 
throw out some pointers or, mm-hmm. um, you know, for me, I always have other people that I train with that mm-hmm. are out on the course. So I just go back out there and encourage them and run back and forth. And yeah. I've been to several races uh, where I wasn't competing because I was injured, um, but I ended up running more miles anyway because <laughs> I was back and forth along the final mile of the course, yeah, you know, rooting yeah. people on. And you can get a lot of, um, you feel really good about that, you yeah. know, getting out there and supporting your teammates and, mm-hmm. and having a good time. Awesome. Well, that's great. I, I know we did cover a ton of stuff. I'm sure people are going to get just a load of info uh, that they can apply right away with their training. So thank you so much for, for coming out and doing this again. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And uh, again, just check out the show notes for anything we mentioned in the show. Um, for the race recap and the blog and, and all of Mike's pictures, you can check it out in there. All right, guys, that's going to do it for episode 33 of the OCR Underground Show. Thanks so much for tuning in for another episode. I want to give a big thanks to Mike Confer with MROC Training in Oceanside for filling us in on the City Field Spartan Stadium Sprint, as well as just giving us some awesome tips for training for your next uh, stadium race if you plan on doing one this year. Again, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsors of the show for making this all possible. I want to thank Designer Protein. You can check out some of their awesome protein products at Design designerprotein.com and mobilitas you can see all of their different mobility tools at your joints shouldn't hurt.com again if uh, i hope you found some of this information useful and if so if i've helped out in any way i'd love to hear about it please give me a review in itunes give me a five-star rating give me some comments let me know uh, what's going on if there's anything you want to learn more about you can always email me at info at ocrunderground.com i'd be happy to answer any questions you might have Uh, either through email or or even on the show if if I think it would benefit a lot of other people. Um, Stay tuned next week. We're going to have another awesome show. Until then, keep training smart, keep training hard, and let's crush that next race.